This is Kevin Kim with Boston Strongcast. Today I'm going to be joined on this episode with a longtime friend, Dr. Kristen Ouellette. Uh Kristen, say hi. Hello. Uh, Kristen, give us a little uh, background on you first before we get started. You sure you don't want me to give them background on you? Um, <laughs> we'll, say, we'll save that for a, another podcast in the future. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's see. How do I get started in this field is probably relevant. So um, I started out as an athlete, played soccer pretty much my whole life, plus a bunch of other sports. And um, when I went to college, I was thinking of, um, you know, what do I want to do? And uh, play soccer was pretty much it. <laughs> but uh, luckily, I, I found myself after a couple major changes in the field of exercise science. And um, that has luckily been uh, where I ended up. Um, so I first started studying that when I was in undergrad, and I really enjoyed it. When I was done, uh, I wasn't sure exactly like what I wanted to do, so I started uh, doing what I felt the most comfortable with, which was coaching, and I was coaching soccer. So I did that for quite a while. Um, I eventually uh, found myself a little bit more intrigued with the strength and conditioning side of things because I mostly work with goalkeepers, and um, if you know anything about soccer goalies, um, you need to be pretty explosive and, and pretty fast, so a lot of times with my keepers I would work on fitness, and um, I found that I really just enjoyed doing that, uh, almost more so than um, than the coaching, just like working on the actual uh, position, but also working on the fitness aspect, so I got interested in, in strength and conditioning, like, you know, right away, started doing some personal training, and um, from there pursued uh, a master's degree in, in exercise science. And uh, after that, uh, got into some coaching. I've, I've coached in various, you know, segments of the population, uh, collegiate strength and conditioning, and also uh, private sector, and also personal training. So, um, got into that, and then um, found myself kind of in a in a position where. Um, I was coaching, but I also saw a job opportunity that was really interesting, and it was um, a mix of coaching and teaching, and that's where Kevin and I actually met. It was at a personal training school, um, and from there, I just developed a passion for for teaching as well. I didn't think I was going to love it that much, but um, ended up really, really enjoying it, and that prompted me to... Um, pursue my PhD so I went and did that uh, at the University of Utah and once I was done there um, I ended up working at Springfield College which is where I'm at right now and I teach in their applied exercise science program all right so that's that's uh quite the journey of there and of course the most memorable moment moment was when uh our paths <laughs> crossed absolutely <laughs> so you also do some work for renaissance periodization correct Yep, so I've, I've worked for um, RP for about a year. Okay, how did uh, you hook up with those guys? Um, so actually it was kind of just, I don't know, I guess how anything happens. It just kind of like comes together. I was teaching a class, or I still teach the same class at Springfield College. It's a personal training class. And um, I was using one of their books. I was using the RP diet um, to teach about nutrition and how you can assist clients and do, um, you know, some programming for them to lose weight, gain body mass, you know, whatever they're trying to do. And um, the book was really great, and I kind of created my own templates off of it. And um, I just randomly saw that Mike and, um, and crew were doing a presentation at a CrossFit that was 
literally like 20 minutes from my house. So I went to their presentation. It was really great. I hung around afterwards and introduced myself. And my intention was literally just to ask Mike and James if it was cool that I was using their book in my class and basically like thank them for the information. And um, they're like, um, do you want to work for us? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh, oh, sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it didn't. You know, it wasn't like that easy of a transition. I didn't just start working for them right away. Also went through, you know, some training with them and practice clientele and things like that. Um, but that's how I uh, initially met them and started working for them. So when you uh, were doing the training with them, was it like straight with like Mike the whole time, or did they have like uh, people designated to help you out with that? Uh, I worked with both Nick and Mike primarily, and uh, they they sent me like a couple. Um, it was, it was real clients that folks that I ended up working with, but they sent me them as kind of like, you know, show us how you would program, show us how you would answer questions for these folks and, and what exactly you would do. And after a couple of those, um, then I started working with um, with my own clients, which was pretty cool. All right, so that's pretty cool. So it's not, so, you know, it's, it's good to know that they weren't just using a pyramid scheme, like, hey, you can come work with us. Here's some, <laughs> here's some free templates and no. you're on your own. Like. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, we could talk more about like how that whole situation works out, but it's actually, uh, I really love uh, working with them. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I personally, I follow their stuff. I, I love it. Um, I think Mike's pretty funny uh, on Instagram. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but let, let's get into the uh, nitty gritty of the uh, podcast here. So basically, we're going to cover a lot of nutritional stuff. So starting things off, and I, I know you're not going to be able to come up with like a direct number for this, but is there like a certain equation or how do you determine how many calories a competitive powerlifter should be con- consuming to maintain weight? Um, so basically... What I do is um, I start out by trying to figure out what is their their basal metabolic rate. So how much calories do they need if they're not doing anything at all? They're not training. They're barely, like, getting out of bed. It's just enough calories to essentially, like, survive. What uh, um, what equation do you guys use for that? Um, shoot, it's a person's name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they all a person's name? <laughs> Harris, Harris Benedict Okay. Equation. All right. Um, so... Um, I just use a, a little calculator to do it. There's actually, literally, if you just Google hair spandex equation or BMR um, calculation, you can find a lot of different ones um, online, exarcs.net. Um, they all, no matter which one you're using, they come out to be roughly uh, the same. So that, that's the first part, is just figuring out their, their basal metabolic rate. And then based off of that, um, also I, I calculate their basal metabolic rate off of lean body mass as opposed to their full body mass. So um, you'll get quite different numbers. So in the equation, there's a spot where you put in weight and you just use lean body mass there, correct? Yeah, so you put in, uh, you put in information like their age, their height, their weight, uh, sex, and then uh, body weight. Okay, which you use in in lean body mass. How do you determine lean body mass? Do you use calipers or something? Uh, So most of the folks, actually all the folks I work with are online. So I kind of do a combination of things. Um, I ask them if they've, you know, had their body fat tested ever um, or recently, and some folks do. Um, If they haven't, then I usually 
actually no matter what i usually ask for like a before picture right so you can kind of see what they look like okay and i get kind of fashion myself as like a human bod pod (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so one of my jobs um i'll give a little shout out to the university of utah I, i worked at a place on campus called peak health and fitness and i literally did bod pods for four years so <laughs> i kind of got used to like seeing people in their underpants and i could get i guess they're body fat pretty easily so your superhero power is being able to look at somebody <laughs> and say how much fat they have i know it's like so useful <laughs> yeah so I, I just try to get i mean it's all about like getting as close as humanly possible to a, a, a starting point for amount of calories that the person needs so I just do the BMR based off of you know put all those things into the equation try to determine their body fat to the, the best of my ability um, and then once I have a BMR then um, I just use some kind of like simple multipliers to figure out how many calories they need per day with like taking into consideration other stuff so their activity level and their training and when you're looking at their activity level, you're taking into consideration all aspects of their life, I'm assuming, like if they have a physical job, um, what their volume is in the gym, what sport they're playing, et cetera. Yep, absolutely. Okay. And what do some of these numbers look like? So say, let's let's use an example. So let's use me as an example. I train okay. uh, four days a week. I am 220 pounds, somewhere between five and 20% body fat. Um, but my, my average, like (laughs) my average monthly volume. So I'm probably around 15 to 20% somewhere in that range of, uh, for body fat, um, which, you know, you've seen me, so you can, you know what that is. Um, I have about 850 to 900 lifts that I do in a month. I train four days a week. They last about two and a half hours. My job other than that is I sit around and drink a lot of coffee. Okay. You also are up and about in the gym, right, Coach? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on my feet. I'm not doing uh, too, too much. Like, I'm not changing weights or any or any of that stuff. Okay. Um, so, RP has some pretty good or, or pretty straightforward, um, like, ways that you can determine what your training is like. So, there's obviously going to be, like, off days, which are days where you're not training at all. But even for you, like, if you're you know on your feet coaching it might end up being more like a light day like if you're actually like really active moving weights around and stuff okay. uh, maybe consider that to be a light day um for an off day or for uh, a light training day i multiply by off day i multiply your bmr by 1.2 and for a light day i multiply your bmr by uh, 1.375 and what about a training um, day so a training day your training day is probably somewhere between moderate and hard um, it would kind of determine like how dense that training is so if you're training for two hours um, if you're telling me like I'm a competitive CrossFit athlete I'm training for two hours then it's probably like you're non-stop moving um, but as a power lifter you probably are I'm assuming like in almost like complete rest between sets would that be correct yeah so basically a training session is we socialize and then occasionally we take a break from socializing (laughs) to do a set okay so probably be somewhere between uh moderate and hard uh let me see i know i have some actual like values here so uh moderate sets of five six plus working sets for the upper body 10 plus working sets for uh the lower body so hard would be like your higher volume um, higher intensity stuff. So the the differences there, 
um, in terms of, I guess, just like multipliers. Moderate would be like 1.5, hard would be like 1.75, uh, okay. multiplying, multiplying by the BMR. And it could be anything between that range, kind of determine uh, the number of sets that I would do on a given day? Uh, yep. So I would say typically when I get folks like set up for, um, for their whole like diets, there, it's kind of a little bit of a balance too between um, getting it exact and also getting it like manageable for that person. Um, so if every day was like slightly different, I wouldn't necessarily have your calories be different every day because um, it would be hard to um, logistically make that happen between like meal prep and, and that right. kind of stuff and it would just so kind try of to like hone in on it and be like okay most of your days are moderate so this is what that looks like you got a light day in there that's what wednesday is and then you got an off day so that's like sunday and it would kind of just balance itself out in the long run anyways um between the yep. heavy and the light yeah. days and stuff um so uh, yeah or if it was more more hard like i'd program more hard days for sure so i don't want to make it sound too like um inaccurate because it's not but I would try to really like hammer down like what is a, a moderate day for you what's a hard day for you and I, I would imagine that there's some feeling out process in the beginning with like newer newer uh, clients yeah absolutely okay that makes sense so now, now that we have a number of calories that one should take in uh, is there a specific macronutrient breakdown that you guys use uh, yep so this is probably a, a good time to mention that um, the the kind of like emphasis um, is going in the exact order that you're asking me so far. <laughs> um, so there's kind of like some principles that, that will follow and they're all in order of importance. Uh, and the first one is, is calorie balance. So if you're not really getting that right and you're trying to cut weight, then you're going to be stuck right there. Um, or if you're trying to gain some body mass and you're not hitting the appropriate number of calories, then it's going to be really hard for you to do. You just don't have enough fuel. Um, so that's always the first one to get dialed in. After that is the macros, and then after that is the, the nutrient timing. So, uh, yeah, so the, the macronutrients, um, you want me to tell you kind of how I go about determining those things? Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be great. Yeah. So you got your three uh, main ones that, that you want to account for, your, your proteins, carbs, and fats, um, and actually account for them in that order as well. So protein um, being the first and foremost to help you recover and also um, maintain your lean body mass. So I, I always figure that one out um, first. After that, I figure out how many carbs that you need, and that changes um, on a on a basis of how hard you're training. So your harder days, you'll have more carbs. Your lighter days, less. Um, your off days, some folks may have like only vegetables and fruits and stuff on that day with no really like dense carbs. Okay. Um, and then fats. Um, not that they're not important, but once I figure out all the cal caloric balance, then fats is kind of like the remaining um, calories because it's the one that doesn't necessarily contribute to lean body mass or energy stores that are accessible right away. So it's kind of like the, the last piece. Okay. Um, so for protein, there's kind of like some different ranges. I always settle on one gram per pound of lean body mass. Uh, that's kind of like the, the optimum range um, to be in that for folks who are training to make sure that you're getting um, the amount of protein that you need. And it's probably, you know, just a tad extra uh, for your daily needs. 
um, probably the lowest that you would go, the, the very like bare minimum, 0.4 grams, point four grams uh, per pound of lean body mass. And anything over like one and a, one and a quarter, one and a half ground, grams uh, per pound of lean body mass, uh, I mean, it would be considered excessive, but it just means that it's not going to necessarily make you get more jacked because you're eating that much protein. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so so cool if it worked that way. But. So that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what, what about the carbs? Like, what's that range? Okay. Uh, so for, for carbs, um, there's kind of like minimums, optimums, and uh, also, again, like excessive amounts. Uh, for most folks on like uh, a light day, I program in uh, one gram per pound of lean body mass. For moderate day, one and a half, and a hard day, two. Okay, so that's a decent amount of carbs that you're, you're taking in on a hard training day. Which which yeah, makes like, sense. So, like, for me, that'd be about, you know, 440, well, because I'm 100% lean body mass. I have no obviously. fat on my body. <laughs> so, that'd be, like, you know, around 400 grams of carbs, I guess, for me. That's a yeah. probably what i get in. And then fat makes up the remaining balance. You got it. Okay. That... That makes sense. Um, so let's go to the next thing. You had mentioned nutrient timing. So actually my next question was, does meal timing matter? Um, so let's dive into that a little bit. Okay, sure. Um, I love talking about this um, because it does and it doesn't. Um, so you can really, it actually, usually when I, when I write stuff up for folks, I kind of put everything into place so that they're going to be eating kind of like at regular intervals and they're also going to feel really good so they're not going to have like tons of food right before they train um they're not going to like take in too much food while they're training it's going to like bog them down a little bit Uh, but in terms of like probably like your actual body composition you could do some weird stuff and with your nutrient timing and still lose body fat you could do some weird stuff with your nutrient timing and still gain lean body mass um like the body is a really adaptable thing so is nutrient timing real is probably kind of a uh, uh, debatable but when you're talking about like some uh how how much will it really contribute to somebody who let's say is like at the top of their game then it's probably not a huge contributor but it's definitely uh a, a deciding factor right it's maybe like going to make up 10 percent to 15 or 20 percent of the, the whole picture for that person so if somebody's really dialed in then it's worth it to to kind of time your your food at least like around training in in my opinion so what would be the most optimal um, spacing of meals uh, during a training day? Uh, so uh, typically I set folks up with like um, four meals and then um, intro workout nutrition, intra training nutrition, it just in the form of a shake that's got like carbs and protein in it. Um, and then usually at night, um, you know, after you've cooked four meals, you're probably not really interested in cooking a fifth meal, uh, but you could if you wanted to. Um, but usually at night, I have folks take in uh, some type of protein shake, like a casein protein shake, um, prior to going to bed. Okay. And so, like, yep. for me, if I'm doing one gram per pound of lean body mass, let's just say it's 200 grams of protein. So, I'd be taking mm-hmm. in about 50 grams of protein per meal plus my intra-workout uh, nutrition. Yeah, I literally divide it out. Um, so... Uh, that's the one uh, nutrient that I always keep pretty static 
in all meals um, because as your body is um, creating new muscle protein, right, it's utilizing the amino acids that are available um, in your bloodstream. So if you have just kind of like a constant source of amino acids with which your body can, can use to um, create new muscle protein, then that's kind of a good thing. Um, so usually protein is the, the one nutrient that is just evenly distributed across the day. So pretty much every meal is very much close to being the same. Maybe for you, like the intro workout nutrition wouldn't be as heavy in protein just so it wouldn't, you know, like upset your stomach while you're training. It'd be more um, like carb heavy. Yeah, maybe a little bit higher in carbs, um, but also maybe just like less dense of a, of a shake so that you can get through that training session. Um, just to give you, I guess, maybe like an idea. Um, so usually uh, during training, like intro workout, usually program in about 10 to 15% of your total carbohydrates um, during training. So for most folks, that works out to be somewhere around maybe like 30 grams or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's like a good, we'll call it an over-the-counter, like a good, I could go to the grocery store, I could pick it up that just has 30 to 40 grams of uh, carbs in it? Oh, um, so yeah, for like an intro workout, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, people use all sorts of different stuff. Um, I usually go just for um, like a dextrose powder, Gatorade powder. So if you're in the grocery store, you can pick up the Gatorade powder. You can pick up, um, you can just buy like the liquid Gatorade and uh, make sure you're pouring in the proper amount that's going to give you 30 grams of carbs. Okay. Um, or really like any of those sugary kind of like powdery, powdered uh, drinks. So if you like um, iced tea or something like that, okay, that can work out pretty good too. And probably uh, with a little bit of caffeine. Yeah, you could throw a little caffeine in there. That would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like where this is going. Okay. Um, all right, so... I know I have a bottle of Gatorade in here. I actually just looked at it. It's like 36 grams of sugar, so that would actually be like right in the... Uh... Yeah, I'm actually looking at Alyssa's right now. She She's not training, so this is not an intro workout. Uh... Yes, I know. Right now? Well, in like, <laughs> like 20 minutes. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's 36 grams of carbs in a bottle of Gatorade, so yeah, that's, right on. that's pretty uh, convenient. You don't even have to like measure any powders or mess with anything. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you know... I, I want it to be the easiest possible route for me to be able to uh, get it in. And the less I have to deal with, like cleaning a shaker cup just sucks. So like being able to throw out the bottle at the end is kind of more beneficial. True. Um, all right. So the, the next topic that I want to go into, because um, this seems like a big one, especially for powerlifting, because we have weight classes. And some people are going to be more competitive in a lower weight class or they need to lose some weight to get into their optimal weight class for their body makeup. So is it possible to maintain strength and lose weight at the same time? Um, depends on if you're talking about like long term or, or short term. Let's say, you know, we're talking in a more longer term period, but, you know, in a four to six month window. Okay. Um, probably depend on how much weight you're trying to, to cut and also what you've been doing before that. So if you've just been kind of on like perma maintenance or perma bulk, your body is probably in a pretty good place to lose 
weight while conserving some of your strength. Like if you're already really strong and you have a good training history, you haven't been dieting, then I'd say there's a, a good likelihood that you can maintain your strength um, while going through a cut. It gets a little more severe and kind of worse towards the end um, because your body is, is really kind to you and as you're losing weight it's also lowering down your metabolism it's like oh this person isn't eating they suck alright let's slow down our metabolism so your cuts kind of get like more severe uh, the longer that you're that you're doing it um, so kind of towards the end it would probably get pretty tough but yeah like I said if you haven't been dieting hard or, or doing anything too crazy in that regard then I'd say there's a good chance what, what do you think of percent body weight you know once we get into a realm of say you know is it like 10% body weight if we lose that then it becomes you're going to see like definite losses in strength like is there a a number that we could put on that for people ooh um that's a great question so as you know, I'm a college professor, which means when people ask me questions, I just make stuff up. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'm at this point actually making an educated guess on this. Um, let's see. So if you lost 10% of your body weight, I, that would probably also really hinge on how much body fat you have. Like, I know for me, if I lost 10% of my body weight right now, that You'd be would be dead. 13 pounds. Yes, I would <laughs> cease to exist. Um, but, you know, if you're uh, a bigger guy or gal, you had, um, let's say for men, if you had more than maybe 15% body fat, if you're a woman, you have more than, I'd say, maybe like 20, 25% body fat, and you, and you lost uh, 10%, then... I mean, you'd be on the fringe. You'd probably lose some of your strength. I don't think it would be impossible to regain it um, fairly rapidly, but I think the important thing to consider is that anytime you go into um, a cut and you're expecting to lose, you know, fair amounts of weight over, let's say, three, four, five, six months, um, don't expect to also be hitting PRs at the same time. Right, you know, and I think a lot yeah. of times too, like people need to realize when you are dropping a weight class, even if you maintain strength, you've now gotten stronger because your total mm-hmm. in a lower weight class is going to be more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it absolutely. doesn't necessarily mean you should just drop a weight class like there are. Like for me, I'm too tall to be a 93 kilogram lifter, and I, I kind of hover. I'm in between the 93s and the 105s right now, but like for me, it's more beneficial for me just to stay the course and fill out a weight class mm-hmm. than to try to like cut back to 93 because. I'm not, I'm almost six feet tall. I'm too tall to be a 93. Right. Um, so yeah. So don't just go dropping weight classes because you think you'll be more competitive. It's a long-term sport and you know, losing weight takes a while. Gaining weight takes a while. Um, yeah. And with that said, you know, weight loss can be extremely difficult, hard to maintain. What do you see as some of the biggest hurdles that people face, uh, going through the process? Um, that's a that's a good question for me because actually all of my clients I was really not sure like what was going to happen with uh, with RP and I just started taking clients on whoever they sent me is whoever they sent me and um, it turns out that I'd say all of my clients are um, trying to cut weight so just from that alone um, and also like looking at you know RP's um, website and you know like clients that have had really good success a lot of them are, are are trying to drop weight so i think just the whole concept of like how to do it is probably tough for for folks like people know that they should be eating healthy they know they should be eating a little bit less but um i think that having a little bit of a roadmap takes a lot of the guesswork out of that 
Um, so once you get over that hurdle and actually like find a way that's going to work for you where you can start tracking things like your calories and your macros, um, the other part that's really hard is like actually doing it. Um, so it takes some attention to detail. Like you have to be kind of like cognizant and like weighing and measuring foods um, and have some type of a you know plan for doing that. Um, sometimes I've, I've found that with um, with some clients like they run into difficulties because they're doing it at a time of year that is like not good for them. They're doing it at a time of year where it's the holidays or they're super busy at work um, and they're really stressed out and it's like another added stress to, to their life. So I would say if you're, if you're trying to cut weight, it definitely helps to get somebody to help you out so that you can do it at a, at a, at a good rate. And then also um, do it at a time of year where you have the energy to, um, to actually put into it. And so thinking of like long-term weight loss stuff, would, there is obviously must be a downside if you're constantly in a negative caloric um, intake. So is there some like cycling on and off for the weight loss stuff? Um, how do you yeah. guys go about that? Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so one of the things I talk about in, in class a lot is it's not necessarily hard, hard to wait, um, but you don't want to just leave them there at the end be like oh you lost all this weight we like slashed your calories like having a nice life um (laughs) because you don't want to keep going at the like lowest calories you've ever been and just like live there now um that's kind of miserable so um usually we go in three month waves with folks so help people lose weight for three months and hit it pretty hard um like keep the the weight coming off at about half a percent of body weight up to maybe like two percent of their body weight per week and and then after a three-month period um usually weight loss kind of starts to slow down as well no matter how much you're cutting like it it just starts to slow down um after about three maybe four months um then we'll take a break from from cutting and at that point um basically just slowly add calories back and kind of like reverse your way out of the deficit you've done and you do, um, do you just work so up? Do, that. do you work up to your maintenance level yeah, we again? Just work or? out backwards. Okay. Uh, some folks make it all the way back, which is amazing. They'll make it all the way back to their maintenance calories and maintain at a lower uh, body mass. Why is which that? Is really cool. Like physiologically. Um, so they're lucky. <laughs> no. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Like if they're making it all the way back up to, and, and usually um, folks who do that, like, Let's say they start, and and I always start people with um, either a base level, which is my very best educated guess at what calories they need to maintain their current body weight. Either usually start folks there or slightly below if they're trying to lose weight, right? Yeah. So you go through this whole thing, and then as they back out of it, um, they just go. Have you ever seen like the auto templates? Essentially, they almost go like in reverse. Um, and let's see. I had one client who lost probably about like. I don't know, 15 pounds or something like that. And then um, as she was going backwards out of it, she got all the way back to her base and was able to maintain 12 of those pounds. That's pretty good. Right? But um, she was also, like, she really did everything right prior to, to starting the diet. She hadn't been doing anything too hardcore. She didn't come in, like, already dieting for months. Um, so she did the cut. She really committed to it, did it really great. And then... Um, 
wasn't scared to like back out of the diet and continue to like add calories and then uh, didn't freak out when she gained three more pounds back because the net loss that she had was really good right so, so for the amount of pounds. calories you're consuming it's like oh it actually is really great i'm i'm 10 12 pounds lighter um i would note too that that, that individual is um you know really active and um and training quite a bit uh, it's harder I, I find for folks who um, aren't training as regularly or as much to maintain that weight loss when they come back out of it so once they come back out of it how long do they um, consume their maintenance level of calories for before maybe you go into another weight loss block uh, anywhere from probably like one to three months okay um, one month would be like the bare minimum. Um, it's almost not enough time to fully like let your hormones and everything come back online, so to speak. Um, as you're dieting more and more, um, some of your like hunger hormones and stuff get a little bit out of whack. Your body's just like asking for food <laughs> louder and more regularly. Um, you're also you're you're just metabolism um, declines a little bit. So as you're adding those calories back, things are essentially um, writing themselves and they're and they're coming back online. And even as people are coming out of a cut, sometimes they'll lose a little bit more weight because their metabolism starts to rev up. And if they're also training quite a bit, then then that can definitely happen. But yeah, one month minimum. Um, if it was a really like hard cut and they lost a lot of weight, I'd say maintain for at least like three months. Okay. All right. That, that's good to know because I think a lot of people get into this cycle of, you know, they just keep trying to lose and lose and lose. It stalls out and then they try to cut calories even more to lose more. And then all of a sudden it just stalls out. And then, you know, that's the end of that. They yeah. binge. They gain just a ton of like weight back. Patient. Yeah. And it's almost like training, too. Like, you know, you have deload periods so that, you know, your body can recover and and training still has a positive effect so you know that makes sense from a adaptive standpoint there yeah Uh, absolutely all right Kristen. so that's all the questions i have here uh let everybody know where they can find you know maybe pictures of your dog on instagram or if they want more uh (laughs) nutritional advice uh where they can reach you yeah um so if they want to just see pictures of my dog um they can find me on definitely can find me on instagram um but if they want to reach out to me for any type of nutritional stuff um you can see you can see me on the rp website i don't think there's any contact information on there though it's just um picture and some details um but you can contact me uh my springfield college email which is um kolet at springfieldcollege.edu um yeah. And what, what's Just their website? What's their website? Renaissanceperiodization.com? So, yep. Renaissanceperiodization.com. And uh, I don't know if they've changed. They've kind of like taken on the, the RP. Uh, I don't know if they've changed the domain name at all. I think it's still Renaissanceperiodization.com. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right, Kristen. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, this, is, this was great. Uh, yeah, we'll have absolutely. to uh, get you down to TPS soon. Yeah, I'd love to. All right, guys, uh, you can find me on the interwebs, KWCAN, on Instagram. Follow our team, Precision Powerlifting Systems, and also give TPS Malden a a follow. Um, I I do need to come up with a good, catchy sign-off because Alyssa just keeps giving me shit about it. Um, (laughs) But at some point, we'll get that. But for now, see you on the next one.